This morning we are going to read a letter written by an elder named John to a church in Laodicea, which today is in central Turkey. Before we read it, some background about that town. Laodicea was the richest city in the area along a major intersection of trade It was well endowed by its textile, banking, and medical industries. Its signature commercial items were a shiny black wool and a special powder from which a medicinal eye salve was made. The city also had a water problem. It had no water source of its own, but had to pipe water in from hot medicinal springs from a neighboring town. And by the time the water arrived to Laodicea, its tepidness and mineral content made it nauseating to drink. So people were prone to spit it out of their mouths. I think this history will help us to hear this word. But before I read from the book of Revelation chapter three, please go to God with me in prayer. Your word, O Lord, is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. That's especially true when we feel disoriented and despairing. So speak to us once more your truth and help us be shaped not by our fears, but by your gospel. We ask it in Christ's name. Amen. And to the angel of the church in Laodicea, write the words of the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the origin of God's creation. I know your works. You are neither cold nor hot. I wish that you were either cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I am about to spit you out of my mouth. For you say, I am rich, I have prospered, I need nothing. You do not realize that you are wretched, pitiable, poor, blind, and naked. Therefore, I advise you to buy from me gold refined by fire so that you may be rich, and white robes to clothe yourself and to keep the shame of your nakedness from being seen and salve to anoint your eyes so that you may see. I reprove and discipline those whom I love. Be earnest, therefore, and repent. Listen, I am standing at the door knocking. If you hear my voice, open the door. I will come in and eat with you and you with me. To the one who conquers, I will give a place with me on my throne just as I myself conquered and sat down with my father on his throne. Let anyone who has an ear listen to what the Spirit is saying to the churches. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. On Monday, the first day of school, 
at almost 5 p.m. I was outside waiting on the twins' school bus. I was hot. A mom friend gave me a hug as we waited and waited, and I could feel her press my sweat against my back. Hurricane Idalia had not yet sucked the humidity out of the air, so heat was a part of that. But the truth is, I was hot with a holy rage. Rage that our educators have to be so, so adept at protection. Rage that we have come to relativize violence. We find ourselves saying, at least it wasn't a mass shooting. Only one person died. Thank goodness it wasn't motivated by race or ideology. Rage that the news will move on until this happens again to someone else's babies in some other town. On Monday, I had not yet chosen a text for this Sunday. And I knew that today the church needed to hear a word. And the church needed to speak a word into the world. Jarrett suggested that we use the prophet Isaiah, beat those swords into plowshares, he said. But he added to the text some spicy adjectives that aren't appropriate for church. And so I knew he was hot, too. I kept coming back to the feeling of sweat on my back, and so I turned to this letter to the church in Laodicea from the book of Revelation. Jarrett preached from Revelation a few weeks back, you may remember, and I guess that the chapter he picked is more of what you would expect to hear from this apocalyptic book was a wild image of thrones amid peals of thunder with living creatures covered with eyes, a scene ending with elders casting down their crowns, lost in wonder, love, and praise. As with all of Revelation, the thrust of this book is, to whom do we give our loyalty? Our selection from the book comes just before that one. And on its surface, our chapter is a bit more pedestrian. It's not filled with wild images. Instead, it's a letter, a letter to a group of Christians, a church. Before I made my way to the bus stop on Monday, I was texting with Tar Heels, like many of you. UPC's Beth Keith is Associate Vice Chancellor for Communications, and so I knew that she would be groping for words. So I texted her husband, Ted. Ted will forever be imprinted in my memory as the one at UPC who knows his Bible. Having been raised by both a Presbyterian and a Catholic, once, when Jarrett was here in the pulpit, he asked if anyone in the congregation knew the name of the person who took the body of Jesus from the cross to the tomb. And a singular hand popped up. <laughs> it was Ted. 
And the answer, by the way, is Joseph of Arimathea, for the record. I told Ted that I was praying for Beth, for their family, and he responded with something that has stuck in my craw all week. He said, I'm, I'm extremely unchristian in these situations, I'm afraid. I have no tolerance or patience with people who disagree with me. Now hear me right. Civility in critical conversations is indeed part of our call as people of faith. But I know Ted to be a Christian, and his discipleship is inclusive of his strong convictions that very well may be at odds with some of his neighbors. So I just kept putting Ted's words in tension with these because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I'm gonna spit you out of my mouth. Church, is there not a time for heat, for action? Hasn't this gone on too long? There are more guns in our nation than there are people. We lose more preschoolers to guns each year than we do to the police officers who protect us. In North Carolina, you need a permit to drive a car, but not to buy a gun. In North Carolina, you have to buckle your seatbelt. It's the law. But your gun does not have to have child-proof features. And I know it's nuanced. And I know it's complicated, and I know there is a balance when it comes to individual and collective rights. But we also have responsibilities. And in this nation, what I know is that this keeps happening. And it's times like these when I think we are nauseating our Lord Jesus Christ. So I do what we do. I sat down with the text. And as it goes with the word of the Lord, it messed with me. I read Brian Blunt's commentary on Revelation. I love Brian, but I was kind of mad at him when I read his words. He challenged me. A careful, faithful reader of scripture, Brian writes this. The adjectives hot or cold should not be taken to represent different kinds of Christian witness. So that, for example, the cold Christian does not witness properly, whereas the hot one maintains the zeal and fire that Christ commands. Christ wishes the church were one or the other, but not one as opposed to the other. Christ simply wants the church to know where they stand. And they should surely stand where all other witnesses should stand, against any form of accommodation to Roman, imperial, or pagan lordship. The lukewarm believer is therefore the accommodating believer. The hot or cold Laodicean is one who has made a decision 
to identify oneself with the Lordship of Christ. There was a part of me that wanted to and still wants to help us as a church work up a sweat, get fired up. But if I understand this text, the hot witness for Christ isn't the only kind. The one who is heated for change, the one who is on fire for justice, the one who sees red whenever they see the gap between our world and God's kingdom, that's not the only faithful option. So too can the cold witness stand. The one who calmly and coolly calculates the way forward for change. The one whose icy glare sees the long game, not just the immediate crisis. The one who is committed to that glacial speed that isn't at all fast, but can nevertheless cut through mountains. The point is not necessarily the manner in which we witness to the Lordship of Christ. The point is that we are clear about who we are following and what we are about in his name. Whether we be hot or cold, church, are we clear? Are we clear about who we are? Going back to Ted's text, are we extremely Christian or unchristian based on whether we agree with our neighbors? Or rather, are we Christian because we are Christ's? A book by a couple of political scientists was released a couple weeks back. It's called The Great Dechurching. And while I have just cracked the spine, the amount of articles about it have been plentiful. The authors report that more people have left the church in the past 25 years than all the new people who became Christians from the First Great Awakening, the Second Great Awakening, and all the Billy Graham Crusades combined. That's 40 million people in the last 25 years. And there are many responses as to why. One being that to many people, the church hasn't seemed very Christian. People are nauseated by who we are and they spit us out. Ouch. It's a harsh wake up call, no doubt, as it was for the Laodicean church too. In this text, Jesus calls the Laodicean church poor, blind, naked. And you can imagine that a city full of wealthy bankers would feel chagrined at being labeled poor. A city full of medical schools that pioneered pharmaceuticals for the betterment of sight would not appreciate an insult that labored, labeled their entire municipality blind. A city full of merchants who outfitted the Greco-Roman world with finest textiles, particularly their famous black wool, would not be amused to hear someone call them naked. But this letter does not end with rebuke. It goes on with an invitation, 
a way forward, Christ standing at the door, knocking, saying, buy from me gold refined by fire so that you may be rich, white robes to clothe yourselves and to keep you from the shame of your nakedness, and salve to anoint your eyes so that you may see. In other words, be clear about being Christian. Center your worth in truth that has been purged of all lies, and that's when you will be rich. Dress yourselves in reminders of your baptism, and then you'll be in a style that matters. Be honest and humble about yourself and your need for grace, and open your eyes to the world that's around you. Then you'll finally be able to see. Get clear, church, that you are witnesses to Christ, the one in whom God's love and justice has come fully alive. Don't be lukewarm about that. One of the many articles responding to that book I mentioned was an article from The Atlantic. A handful of you sent it to me to make sure I had read it. It says many of the things that we already know, or at least that we sense, that America isn't set up for church anymore. Instead, it's designed to maximize individual accomplishment, prioritizing time for work and more work, and pushing our children up the ladder of success. And it seems to me that oftentimes the church's response to this has been to ask less, make things easier, just accommodate to the cultural norms. But the article suggests that maybe churches could serve their members better by asking more of them. It said a vibrant, life-giving church requires more, not less, time and energy from its members. It asks people to prioritize one another over careers, to prioritize prayer and time reading scripture over accomplishment. Churches could model better, truer sorts of communities, ones in which the hungry are fed, the weak are lifted up, proud are cast down. Creating an environment where people can ask more of one another and give more in return seems a wise rule of thumb for any community. If only American life didn't make such a prospect feel so daunting. Daunting sure sounds like the right word for the week that most of us just lived through. And yet, Jesus still stands at the door and knocks. And yet, the invitation is to answer that door, to sit at the table with the one who feeds us with grace, to integrate our human lives into God's holy purposes, purposes that surely include beating every sword into plowshares. The invitation is to feel sweat rolling down your back or to shiver so hard your teeth rattle. Church, be hot. Be cold. Just be the Lord's and point boldly to what his love can do. Amen. So be it.